Welcome to Coffee House Questions. This is Ryan Polly. You know, have you ever been at home one of those days where you hear on your door, you open it up, and there are the Mormon missionaries standing there? Maybe you're the person who's excited about that. Maybe you're not so excited, or maybe you hear that knock, know it's them, and you hide in your house. Well, there's lots of ways that we can respond to that knocking on our door. Uh, but hopefully today and next week, we're going to be talking about some strategies that can help you be more prepared, better respond in sharing the gospel with Mormons, sharing the good news with them. And so joining me to help uh, train us in understanding what do Mormons believe, as well as how to have some practical strategies to engage Mormonism, is Eric Johnson. Now, he's been a student of Mormonism since 1987. He has his Master's of Divinity from Bethel Seminary in San Diego. He's also co-authored uh, books, Answering Mormon Questions, Ready Responses for Inquiring Latter-day Saints, as well as Mormonism 101, Examining the Religion of Latter-day Saints. He hosts a weekly radio show, Viewpoint on Mormonism, and has now uh, co-edited a book with Sean McDowell titled Sharing the Good News with Mormons, Practical Strategies for Getting the Conversation Started. So, Eric, thank you so much for joining me, coming on the show today. Thanks for having me, Ryan. All right, and for those of you listening, now just know that this is going to be a two-part interview. Uh, part one today is going to be talking about what do Mormons believe and how is that different than Christianity. Part two next week, we're going to be talking about practical strategies on how to get engaged in that conversation. Now, I have some listener questions that have been sent in. But for future interviews, I want to encourage you guys to send in your question or questions or comments. You can do that at contact at coffeehousequestions.com through email. Facebook is coffeehousequestions, and then also at Twitter or Instagram at RyanPauly3. Or finally, uh, text those questions in at 714-989-6927. And so, Eric, kind of jumping into this conversation on Mormonism now, what was it that got you interested in working with Mormons back in 1987? Well, actually, it started when Jim Jones and the People's Temple issue came up when a thousand people drank poison Kool-Aid with the cyanide. And that's where the expression came, don't drink the Kool-Aid. And I was uh, a high school junior in 1978 when that took place. And I really wanted to know that I grew up in a Christian home, but was Christianity really true? How do I know I'm not in a cult? So that caused me to do a lot of study over the next few years. I went to college in Southern California, and there were always uh, Hare Krishnas and others out there in the pavilion uh, sharing their faith. And so I would talk to these people. But in 1987, I ended up going on a short-term mission trip to um, to Salt Lake City area and spent the summer there. And I really fell in love with uh, the Mormon people and being able to share the truth with them. So I ended up uh, connecting with Bill McKeever of Mormonism Research Ministry in 1989. He lived in Southern California, where I lived as well. And that started a relationship that's almost 30 years in the making. Uh, he and I have been partners in doing a number of things, writing the books that you're talking about. We host a daily radio show here in Salt Lake City. Now, when I moved here in 2010, I actually taught for uh, almost two decades, high school students and apologetics. And then that uh, ended up moving to Utah where I could be full-time in this Christian ministry. So I have really enjoyed doing that, and uh, it's been very well worth the move to come here to be able to do this. Now, you've really done a lot of awesome work with Bill McKeever. So, uh, and I've read those books. For those listening that may know that I work with Brett Kunkel, with 
with Maven and leading student trips out to Salt Lake City, uh, where we do training on Mormonism and Christianity and then take them out there. And so uh, Bill McKeever is a guy that I've been able to meet. We went over to his house. Uh, he did some training with us, as well as reading those books you put out. And they are some great resources. So I'd encourage those listening to grab those. Um, so what exactly, so your role at the Mormon Research Ministry, and those listening can find that at mrm.org. Uh, so you are writing, uh, producing work. So what is the goal of the Mormon Research Ministry? What, what is its purpose? Oh, we have twofold purpose. The first would be to equip the saints to better understand Mormonism and teach them to evangelize their friends and family members. We take that very seriously. In fact, uh, from July through November, we hope to be in 40 different churches and teaching in those places uh, so we can help them to be able to be more effective. We'll also be going to the Mormon Miracle Pageant in June, uh, sharing with uh, Christians there, as well as sharing with Mormons, because that's the second part of our purpose is to evangelize the lost. And we live in a mission field. Everybody lives in a mission field in America. I mean, mm -hmm. we are the minority. But the idea that uh, if you understand the worldview of Mormonism and you live in Utah, this can be one of the greatest mission fields you can live anywhere in the United States. And uh, and we, the website that I work with, I do a lot of work on that. Uh, we uh, deal with a variety of topics related to Mormonism. There are other websites out there that specialize in other topics or have Mormonism as one part of what they do, but that's all we do. So we're able to get down and dirty with what the uh, leaders say at general conferences and what they're saying in their uh, correlated manuals. And a lot of that information, we try to make it as cutting edge as possible when we do that daily radio show and podcast. And you can get the podcast with more than 1,700 different shows if you go to our website, mrm.org, and just click on the radio icon. And, and so we try to make it so it's very user-friendly so people can learn as much as they possibly can. Wow. What a great amount of research. 1,700 podcasts, you say. Um, yes. Yeah, so go check that out, everybody. So now, a lot of what you do is helping people understand Mormonism, but also in this new book, you wrote that, you wrote, you know, quote, first and foremost, every Christian needs to know what he or she believes. Before hoping to engage a Mormon in, a fi in fruitful discussion, a solid foundation is uh, in understanding the basic teachings of the Bible is necessary. Learning about God's word, including doctrine, should be the lifelong pursuit of every believer. And so why, why does the Christian need to also understand Christian doctrine uh, and biblical understanding and biblical teachings uh, before engaging the Mormon. When you deal with counterfeit money, the Secret Service does know what the tests are for the bill. And so when you go to a movie theater, there's different things that you can do as an employee to know that that bill is actually authentic. So you do need to know what it is you believe. I, I would never encourage anybody to study Mormonism before they have had a chance to thoroughly study and know what they believe about Christianity. But you also need to know enough about Mormonism to be able to communicate well, as you would with any people group. You don't just go into a foreign country and take your American presuppositions in <laughs> and try to share effectively the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so uh, I think understanding Mormonism, that's why you mentioned the book Mormonism 101. I really like that book. I always encourage people to read that so they can at least understand when a Latter-day Saint uses the term God, Jesus, uh, salvation by grace, the atonement of Jesus, those kinds of things, it can be very confusing unless you know 
what their worldview is. The, mm-hmm. the LDS worldview is much different than the Christian worldview because their view of God, their view of Jesus, their view of salvation, their view of authority, all of that is much different. So if you can combine the two and put those together, then I think you can be the most effective evangelist uh, anybody could be. Yeah. Now, a lot of Christians, you know, think that, wow, there's just so much, you know, I don't even understand everything about Christianity. How can I understand everything about Mormonism, right? There's so many different beliefs and statements in different ways that things work out. And so what would you say are maybe two or three Mormon beliefs that every Christian should understand? Kind of the most fundamental. That's a great question, Ryan. And I would say, first and foremost, you really do need to understand salvation. The last part of our book, Sharing the Good News with Mormons, deals with the issue of salvation, four chapters on that. And you have to understand in Mormonism, as I mentioned, the terms can be the same, but the meanings are different. Mm -hmm. When you come with uh, salvation, there's two aspects. One would be what's called general salvation, and that is what is known as salvation by grace and the atonement of Christ. You'll hear those terms used by Latter-day Saints. That's the ability for all people to go to one of three kingdoms of glory. According to Mormonism, that we were born onto this earth from a previous life, a spirit world, called the pre-existence or pre-mortality, something not taught in Christianity, and because we sided with Jesus, therefore we were given bodies to be able to progress. So in Mormonism, there really isn't an eternal hell in the same sense that uh, we have as, as Christians, uh, what the Bible talks about. So that's the first aspect when when the Mormon says, well, you're saved by grace. That is uh, a general term given to pretty much everybody. And then there's what's called individual salvation, as contrasted with general salvation. And that's what they call eternal life or exaltation. And that's done through good works. Like Second Nephi 25.23 says, for we labor diligently to write, to persuade our children and also our brethren to believe in Christ and to be reconciled to God. For we know that it is by grace we are saved after all we can do. That's a much different view than what Christianity teaches in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, that we're saved by grace through faith. It's it's not what we do. It's not our works. It's based on what Jesus has done for us. And so, so uh, that would be one aspect I would really encourage people to understand. Uh, and, and then the second uh, uh, thing I think we need to understand is the view of God. In Mormonism, God was once a man, and he evolved into becoming God. And I don't think a lot of people realize that faithful Mormons are hoping that someday they, too, can be elevated into godhood, that they can continue what God the Father had, because God the Father had a a God before him, and that God had a God before him, and so on and so forth. There's a little couplet that Fifth President uh, Lorenzo Snow gave, and he said, as man is, God once was, as God is, man may become. And that sums up the Mormon theology, because God was once a man. He has a body of flesh and bone, according to one of the unique LDS scriptures called the Doctrine and Covenants, section 132. And uh, and, and the, the idea that we are what God once was, and then God, what he is today as a God, the God of this world, man may become. And Mormons hope that they will have their families together, that they'll be able to continue on what God had. That understanding needs to be known if you're going to talk about theology with a Latter-day Saint. And then finally, I think the third thing you need is the uh, authority, because in Mormonism, they have what's called the standard works, the, uh, the King James Version of the Bible, the Book of Mormon, 
Doctrine and Covenants and Pearl of Great Price, as well as what their leaders teach. They gather twice a year here in Salt Lake City. Uh, they have a president. He has two counselors. Those three men are called the First Presidency. They have also 12 apostles, the same way they believe that Jesus had 12 apostles. Those 15 men, what they say is considered to be Scripture. But they're really into the written Scripture. And like I mentioned, they do believe the Bible, but the only one of the four that actually has a qualifier to it is the Bible. Article 8, written by Joseph Smith, says that the Bible is true as far as it is translated correctly. I think you can get past that. In fact, we have a, a chapter in the, the book that we've written, Sharing the Good News with Mormons, dealing with the issue of the reliability of the Bible, that there aren't these errors that many Mormons think there are. But if they have that in their canon, we then have the ability, the privilege to be able to use God's word with Latter-day Saints, and I encourage Christians to do so. And for the Christian kind of in the conversation with a Mormon, when 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 one says, oh, well, the, you know, we only trust it as far as it's been translated correctly, are they able to show the parts that have not been translated correctly that they would exclude and the parts they do accept? Well, there actually is a uh, version of the Bible that was put together by Joseph Smith in 1833 called the Joseph Smith Translation or the Inspired Version. It was not really a translation because he didn't know the Greek and the Hebrew uh, to be able to do that. So he just kind of took the King James and made some changes. But yeah, the the, uh, the average Mormon doesn't know very much about the difference between translation or transmission. When they say the Bible is true as far as 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 it is translated correctly, they don't really mean translated because there certainly are bad translations. They mean transmitted, how it came to us, and they believe there were corrupt Catholic priests, others who added in their own ideas and made the Bible into something that it wasn't meant to be. And they feel that uh, there are those errors. They still hold to the King James Version, but the inspired version is something that they actually have used in they're what's called the quad. All four scriptures are put together in one book, and then they have notes in the Bible portion that will oftentimes refer to what Joseph Smith had. Actually, he didn't change very much. You can actually use the Joseph Smith translation in witnessing because he didn't change the most important places, and you can mm -hmm. still support the view of salvation by grace and Jesus being God and those kinds of things. But he did. He added, for instance, uh, half a chapter in uh, Genesis at the very end of it, a uh, prediction about Joseph the seer, prediction mm. about himself. He <laughs> actually puts that into uh, the the uh, Bible that he he uh, he supposedly translates. And but, but for the most part, he didn't change very much. And uh, like I said, it was finished, even though it's not an official work of the church. It's actually the copyright is owned by a group in Independence, Missouri, uh, the Community of Christ, they're called, and they're an offshoot of Mormonism. They they hold the Joseph Smith as well, but Mormons and the people from the Community of Christ do not uh, believe the same things. Well, and so what you're talking about there, um, you also mentioned um, the, the, the quad. Could you really quickly just kind of let those who don't know, what, what are the four kind of basics of, of Scripture for Mormons? Sure. The first is the King James Version of the Bible. The second is the Book of Mormon, probably the most important scripture of the four. And that's the one the missionaries are going to try to get you to read about the, uh, the, the people that were in the Americas, the Lamanites and the Nephites. And uh, you're supposed to pray then about the Book of Mormon to see if it's true. And if it is, then Mormonism is true. The third is called the Doctrine and Covenants. And these mostly were written by Joseph Smith and they were 
revelations given to him on a variety of things. For instance, in DNC 89, the word of wisdom was given to him where they were not supposed to drink alcohol, smoke tobacco, or drink hot drinks like coffee or tea. Uh, and, and so those kinds of things are found in their modern-day revelation, they would say. And then finally, you have the Pearl of Great Price. The Pearl of Great Price has a variety of short books. One would be Joseph Smith's History. talks about how he, he, well, he claimed that God the Father and Jesus appeared to him in 1820. And then he also talks about how he got the plates. Uh, Moroni, uh, the last living Nephite who died 1,400 years previously in the Americas, then came to him as an angel and showed him these plates that were compiled by his father, Mormon, uh, prophet that's talked about in the Book of Mormon. And, uh, and so you have, you have that. You have, um, also the Book of Abraham. Joseph Smith got some funeral papyri from, uh, a traveling salesman that came from the pyramids of Egypt and he supposedly translated it. But later it was discovered in the 1960s in the Metropolitan Museum and very clearly showed that Joseph Smith did not know the Egyptian language. There's also the Book of Moses. So those four books put together are called the standard works, and I called it the quad because you'll have these, you'll see the Mormons when they walk to church, they'll be carrying these big, big, they look like big Bibles, but they're even bigger than that. And, uh, and, And so sometimes it looks like it's twice the size of any of your Bible, Bibles that you might take to church, and, uh, and so they, that's what they study along with, with the church uh, manuals and the uh, the uh, church magazines, especially the general conference issues where the the uh, the general authorities, the prophet, the apostles, all of them will talk to the lead, to the membership and tell the people what the leadership wants them to know. All right, now and then on your second point, you you mentioned what I think is important to kind of emphasize is the view of salvation. Uh, but is what is often referred to as the impossible gospel. Uh, that in Mormonism, it's you can you know have grace after everything that you can be de- that you can do. And the question really there is, well, can, have you done everything you can do? And that's a big issue. And, and I think just for chapter 24, the last chapter in our book, written by Keith Walker, might be the best reason to buy the book because uh, in that he in that chapter he gives us six different verses, just one verse just to show what it is about Mormonism that makes being able to accomplish the uh, all of the rules and regulations of Mormonism, it's impossible to do. My strategy, I like to go out on the street and do a version of the impossible gospel, but I actually will purchase copies of The Miracle of Forgiveness, a book written by Spencer Kimball, the 12th president of the church. And even though Mormons don't like it because it's not politically correct, he does a really good job of interpreting the unique LDS passages from the Book of Mormon and the Doctrine and Covenants, and he basically says, you have to do it, that the Book of Mormon talks about this, the Doctrine and Covenants says it's possible to do, and the only way that you can have eternal life, which is getting to the celestial kingdom and having godhood, is by keeping all of the commandments continually. That's what DNC 2515 says. So I think that's a really great strategy because most Mormons that I talk to know that they are not doing everything they're supposed to, and that causes them a lot of consternation. They they get they're, they're very sad that they can't do what they're supposed to, even though God said that He's given us no commandments that can't be kept. Yeah. 
Wow. Well, so there's kind of a, a few beliefs that every Christian should understand about Mormonism. Now, in your work with Christianity, have you found any kind of mistaken beliefs or, or things that Christians think Mormons believe, but they Mormons don't actually believe it? Uh, I think um, one of the things that uh, a lot of people think is when they go to the temple and they get married, that there's somehow a wedding room in there that they would consummate their marriage. And that's not true. Uh, I think that is... Um, I don't know where that came from, but that certainly is not a part of Mormonism. I think one of the major problems is that a lot of Christians think that Mormons are Christian, and they don't know very much about Mormonism, so they misunderstand the religion. And again, the the language being the same, and they'll talk to their Mormon friends or the missionaries at the door, and they'll say, well, do you believe in God? Well, of course we do. Do you believe in one God? Yes, they do, they'll say. Uh, do you believe in Jesus? Well, look, he's in the name of our church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You might ask, well, do you believe in salvation by grace? I hear you guys believe that you have to work to get salvation. Well, depending on the meaning that the Mormon understands your question, he says, of course we believe in salvation by grace. Anybody who says we don't, that's wrong. Well, they're not going to tell you the whole story. They're not going to – they might not even know that you have a different understanding of that. And when I cite Second Nephi 25:23 that says that we're saved by grace after all we can do, I, I think you can see real clearly, yeah, they do believe in salvation by grace, but is it the grace that is talked about in the Bible that salvation, justification, if you want to be more specific, is based on? And so you have to be very precise and ask lots of questions. Don't ever assume a Mormon is thinking the same way you are. I think you need to ask, well, could you define for me? That might be a question you can ask. Or what do you mean by that? When you say salvation by grace, can you tell me a little more? Oh, okay. So you so the way I understand salvation by grace is that uh, I receive salvation and I'm going to be in heaven. Are you going to get to the celestial kingdom just based on the grace of Jesus and not based on anything you do, you'll start to find out real fast. They'll say, no, no, you have to get baptized in the church. You have to uh, you have to go to church services. You have to go to the temple, you know, and they'll start to give you more. And then you can say, oh, OK, so that's different than the type of salvation of grace that I'm holding to. Yeah. So they have a different view of salvation, even though similar language. The same is also true of Jesus, where they will say Jesus is the son of God and and have similar language about Jesus, but means something very different than Christianity. How is their view of Jesus different than Christians? In Mormonism, Jesus is a spirit brother of Lucifer. He's a created being. And that's contrasted to what Christianity says, that he's God incarnate. He's a second member of the Trinity. Look, uh, the 15th president of the church, Gordon B. Hinckley, admits that the Mormon view of Jesus is different. When he was asked in uh, June of 1998, uh, when he was asked about those outside the church who say Latter-day Saints do not believe in the traditional Christ, this is what he said. No, I don't. The traditional Christ of whom they speak is not the Christ of whom I speak. For the Christ of whom I speak has been revealed in this dispensation of the fullness of times. He, together with his father, appeared to the boy Joseph Smith in the year 1820. And when Joseph left the grove that day, he knew more of the nature of God than all of the learned ministers of the gospel of the ages. And he also said, as a church, we have critics. Many of them, they say we do not believe in the traditional Christ of Christianity. 
there is some substance to what they say. Now, Ryan, you need to be careful when somebody tells you they don't believe in the traditional Christ of Christianity because the traditional Christ of Christianity is talked about in the Bible. In yeah. Mormonism, they have what's called the great apostasy, all authority. The priesthood was lost soon after the death of the apostles, and it was needing to be restored. And so the Mormon church is it's supposed to be the only true church on the face of the earth. And uh, and so the, the idea that uh, um, Mormonism isn't exclusive, they certainly are. You can't get to the celestial kingdom unless you have this understanding of Joseph Smith and his teachings. That's good to know. Now, uh, I did get one listener question came in uh, from Anthony Santos on Instagram. He wrote in and said, how do we explain baptizing in the name of the dead saints is wrong when they referred to it by the early church in 1 Corinthians 15? Well, the the issue with 1 Corinthians 15, we need to understand a few things. First, there's a verse that's taken out of context in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 29. It says, it says this, Else what shall they do which are baptized for the dead? If the dead rise not at all, why are they baptized for the dead? We need to understand a few things about this passage. First of all, when Paul mentions the practice, he doesn't endorse it. And you could also argue that he didn't criticize it, but that wasn't the point. The context of the passage of chapter 15, 1 Corinthians, is all about the literal resurrection body. Paul was merely using that as an example, and he says, why do they get baptized for those who are already dead if there wasn't a resurrection of the body? And if you notice, he uses first-person pronouns here in this verse. Uh, excuse me, he uses third-person pronouns in this verse, but in the context of the entire chapter, he's using first-person. He's talking about us and we and then here he says, why do they? It's almost as if he's distancing himself from those who practice such uh, such an idea of uh, baptizing on behalf of the dead. And uh, we just don't see any other practices in the New Testament that suggest a passage. I, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, that's the one verse that's used. And I always like to ask, well, are there any other verses? If this is such an important doctrine, there really isn't any other verse that they can go to. I like to ask this question. What reference from the Book of Mormon suggests that it's possible to do work on behalf of the dead? The Book of Mormon, according to Joseph Smith, is the most correct book on earth, and a man could get near to God by abiding by its precepts than by any other book. That's found in the History of the Church, Volume uh, 4, and uh, Mormons will agree with that if you tell them the, the Book of Mormon is the most correct. You ask them, well... Where is it found? And they say, well, it's in there somewhere. Well, it's not, actually. There's no mention of it whatsoever. And in fact, if you go to the Book of Mormon and go to Alma chapter 34, it very clearly says there are no second chances. Alma 34 verse 32 says, for behold, this life is a time for men to prepare to meet God. Yea, behold, the day of this life is the day for men to perform their labors. He goes on in verse 35 and says, for behold, if ye have procrastinated the day of your repentance, even until death, behold, ye have become subjected to the spirit of the devil, and he doth seal you his. Therefore, the spirit of the Lord hath withdrawn from you and hath no place in you, and the devil hath all power over you. And this is the final state of the wicked. So instead 
of endorsing the idea that work can be done for people after they die. And most of the work done in the 170 temples located around the world are done on behalf of the dead, and yet there's no verse to support that in the Book of Mormon. The only way that they can support it from the standard works, they have to go to the Bible and take a verse out of its context, and that's not what the Bible was saying. Paul was not trying to say that that's something we should do. There we go. Hopefully that helps, Anthony. All right, now we only have about less than a minute left. Uh, what are just a couple of questions that Christians can be prepared to ask a Mormon when they knock on the door so that we don't have to kind of sit there with a blank stare on our face or ignore them? Yeah. Uh, here's three quick ones. Number one, what made you decide to become LDS and find out, you know, because we have a testimony to ask them, what was it that, that caused you to do that? Oftentimes you'll find out it's because they grew up in the church. And if they grew up in the faith, that's that's wonderful, but that doesn't mean it's true. Our parents could have been wrong. Number two, have you ever read the Gospels? And if so, what's your favorite? Actually, Aaron Shafawalaf in his chapter in this book deals with these kinds of questions. And that's a great place to go because now you can actually work with the Mormon on things having to do with Jesus and tell Jesus stories. And then third, have you ever had an evangelical Christian share his or her version of the gospel? If not, would you like me to tell you? And I think every Christian should have a three or four minute quick presentation that you could quickly go over whatever, however you want to do it. I mean, talk about we have a problem of sin, but Jesus came, he died on the cross, and it's through faith alone. I think if we can do that, uh, anytime we have missionaries coming to our door or anytime we have a short conversation, we can present the gospel. I think that's what we're here for. Well, so much great information. Eric, thank you so much for joining me for this first 30 minutes uh, discussing what Mormons believe. Thank you. And for all of you listening, I hope that those helped you be prepared the next time the Mormons come to your house. Again, don't forget to listen next week as we talk about practical strategies on how to engage Mormons in, in many different types of approaches that you can take. Check out sharingwithmormons.com. That's a new book, Sharing the Good News with Mormons by Eric Johnson and Sean McDowell. Uh, check out mrm.org as well as share this with your friends or family if you've enjoyed it. Send in your questions and follow on social media for future episodes so that you can write in your questions for these different interviews and so thank you all so much for listening hope you think deeply in this next week this has been coffee house questions with ryan Polly.